Today is David Lynch's birthday, and if you don't know who David Lynch is, you could say he's the godfather of Dead Rabbit Radio. Amazing filmmaker. And today we're going to take a look at three stories that have a Lynchian twist. The first off, we're going to cover a conspiracy theory that actually involves David Lynch himself. A very bizarre piece of information. You may not know, that's why you listen to this podcast. Secondly, we're going to take a look at the story of a woman who just tried to enjoy a little evening by herself. Instead, she was interrupted by an alien who, <laughs> who acts like someone from a Lynch movie. And then, a family is sitting at home eating a meal. Everything is going as it should. But when the son enters the room holding a shotgun, not only do their lives change, But reality does as well. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. This is going to be a special episode. It's going to be extra long, um, but it's full of good stuff. It's not filler. It's extra long good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, great stuff actually, let's give a round of applause to our newest Patreon supporter, Sweet Sweet Golden Goo. She's actually liquid. She's all like CGI 1990s liquid special effects oozing into Dead Rabbit Command. And she's also bringing along with her her beekeeper husband, which I'm assuming now that I say that out loud, I saw that in the notes. Is she the honey? Is that some weird is that some weird thing? He is actually a beekeeper. She's the sweet, sweet golden goo. So she's gonna form into like a, a solid human. And her beekeeper husband is just gonna be like, ooh, yes, that's why I love bees. That's where I found my wife. Sweet, sweet golden goo. You're gonna be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Golden goo, I'm gonna toss you the keys to Jason Jalopy. Catch him in your sticky fingers. We are going to head on out to a forest in the middle of nowhere. It's vague. Just pick any forest. Just pick any forest you've ever wanted to go to. So as you're looking for any forest to drive through, listen, I know we have a lot of stuff to cover. This is a jam-packed episode. But I want to start a new segment right now, and I think this will be really cool going forward. I think this will be really fun. I get a lot of stuff um, from emails from you guys, and I see this stuff post online, of these stupid prophecies that keep popping up all the time. And you'll see them for weeks. People are hyping them up on these conspiracy boards. They'll set a prophecy. It's like August 21st, 2020. It comes, and people are getting worried about it. People are like, hey, man, I really don't know what to do. What's what's going on? And then it passes, and no one ever brings it up again. And then we see another one pop up. Oh, you know, December 21st, 2020 is actually December 21st, 2012. And, and people go, oh, no. I'm so You know what? I'm going to start cataloging these. I want you guys to send these prophecies to me so we can mark them. And there is there is recorded proof. It's no longer a forum post that's disappearing. Prophecy Watch. And this one is timely. I've seen this one pop up for weeks. Prophecy Watch, the very first one. So if you're listening to this episode a couple months from now, even if you're listening to the episode today, you're like, what? People actually believe that? This is a real... Conspiracy that people have been buying into for a couple weeks now. On January 20th, 2021. So today, what is going to happen? Obviously, if you're listening to this, it didn't happen. What's going to happen is you are going to go to turn on the television. You're like, I wonder what the Big Bang Theory is up to today. Click, you turn it on. It's 
actually going to be something far more entertaining than the Big Bang Theory. Military tribunals. I'm going to read you this, because I can't really sum it up any better than darkoutpost.com. On Wednesday, January 20th, imagine military music playing in the background. Starship Trooper theme song. On Wednesday, 20th, January, Inauguration Day, the emergency broadcast system will be activated. The FCC is telling major networks that their programming will be preempted from 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for up to 72 hours. If they don't comply, they will be off the air. Ten days of darkness will begin as mass arrests of over 500,000 individuals is expected to happen worldwide. On the emergency broadcast system, eight-hour videos will be broadcast three times a day for ten days straight. <laughs> Imagine the ratings are going to be great on that. Hey, honey, what are you watching? Uh, the military tribunals are still on? Yeah, ten days of this. The videos will contain military tribunals filled with confessions of high-profile elite individuals exposed for their crimes against humanity. So remember when this doesn't happen. Remember when the National Guard doesn't take control? This is the other conspiracy theory. The National Guard, when Biden is getting inaugurated, the National Guard is going to arrest him. And then Space Force, apparently, is going to, like, shut off something. Space Force was created to, like, hit a button. <laughs> the whole organization, the toot, they hit one button, and it's going to take over or... Um, melt. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Joe Biden's made of wax. I don't know. This is, and the Marines are going to like be underground and like in tunnels or something like that. I just want you to remember this moment. The next time someone makes a prophecy, remember this moment. Remember the military tribunals, the Marines are underground. They created an entire branch of the military to hit a button, all of this stuff. And I think this is important. We're going to keep doing this prophecy watch whenever these pop up. I can't say I'll cover everyone because they pop up all the time, but when these pop up, I think it's important for us to cover them and to create a record of them. So going forward, we can laugh at these wrong predictions and uh, be less scared when they come up more. Because I, I, this segment's gone on a lot longer than I thought it was going to, but I remember when Clinton was leaving office, when Bush was coming in, I was petrified. I was like 17, 18 years old. I thought, Clinton was going to bring the United Nations, that he wasn't going to leave, that it was going to be this horrible thing. I was not a huge fan of Bill Clinton. I was a like hardcore conspiracy theorist back then, and, and I was scared. I was absolutely terrified that these blue-helmeted weirdos from France were going to show up at Sacramento. I mean, it's stupid now that you think about it. But that's why this is important, to, to remember these dumb beliefs. So going forward, we have less dumb beliefs. Super long segment, important segment, though. Let's get started with the Lynch stuff. I look over and Golden Goo and her beekeeper husband are wearing blue helmets. I'm like, oh no, the prophecy's true. Let's talk about David Lynch. This episode's going to go long, but I love David Lynch. He's a huge influence on... Dead Rabbit Radio wouldn't exist without David Lynch, without Twin Peaks. Watching Twin Peaks was a huge part of my creative childhood. I think I was like 12 or something like that. It's totally inappropriate for a 12-year-old to watch, but it was a big show. It was a big show for me, and it was all about like paranormal and conspiracies and how you have a normal world. I love this the idea of the hidden world. You have this normal world filled with these beautiful people. I, the show definitely gave me like my type of woman from Twin Peaks, but 
And then underneath it, you just have this really like seedy underbelly, this criminal element. And then underneath that, you have the world of portals and demons and secret societies and a, a group of men coming together to fight this eternal evil. And all that stuff that I really dig in both creative fiction and in my life, like paranormal and hot waitresses and stuff like that. So huge fan. Now, it's funny because every so often I'll find stories and I'll go, that's very Lynchian, which is that idea. You have a normal, stable world and underneath it, there's this dark underbelly to it. Every so often I'll pick these stories. And, and what's funny is I'm rewatching Twin Peaks for the third time. I'm watching it with Sabine. She's never seen it, knows nothing about it. And I've been having dreams about Twin Peaks. And it's very rare that I dream about television shows. I've maybe had one or two dreams about Deep Space Nine, my favorite television show. I think I maybe had one dream about Buffy, and I love that show. I've had one dream where I was hanging out with the Transformers. But since I started watching Twin Peaks, I've had like three or four dreams just in the past month about Twin Peaks. I actually woke up this morning, and I thought... I have all these stories, these Lynchian stories that I've been like, that's very Lynchian. I have this kind of interesting stuff. And it was weird. I had a dream last night about Twin Peaks, and I thought, I think I'm going to do a David Lynch episode. I wonder if there's any reason for, <laughs> if there's any justification for me to do that. And sure enough, no joke, I woke up about 3.30 in the morning. I went to bed super early. And I had these ideas for these David Lynch stories that I had been collecting and it's his birthday. It's his birthday today, January 20th, 1946. So I was like, that's weird, right? That's totally weird. I woke up with the idea to do a David Lynch episode. Turns out that it's his birthday. Also turns out that it's the day of the military tribunals. That's great. It's like peanut butter cups coming together, right? So let's get started. That was a super long introduction, but I really wanted to set the stage. And this is going to be a bonus episode because this man means so much to Dead Rabbit Radio and so much to me. And hopefully so much to you guys. I think you guys should check out some of his works. It's great. Golden Goo, take off that blue helmet. You're really, really scaring me. We are headed out to a forest in the middle of nowhere. This first story I have no sources for. Because I read it. On yesterday's episode, I talked about how much I love Hollywood gossip. I read this story on a Hollywood gossip website called... Uh, blind items i'll put the link to the to it in the show notes just the website itself it's just hollywood gossip and it's really dirty hollywood gossip it's not like you won't believe who chris jenner's dating today it's like this celebrity murdered five people and no one ever found out it's like really dark and dirty celebrity gossip there is stuff about like vanderplump rules reality shows or whatever that i don't even know that show is but it pops up all the time i'm assuming it's a bunch of hillbilly murderers how often they pop up on there but there there are stuff like oh you won't believe that cardi b is cheating on the weekend or whatever but a, a lot of it's really like dark and dirty a lot of it actually like is elite conspiracy stuff like that i actually kind of want to do a segment on him there's a guy named him that's been dumping, or girl, that's been dumping information about uh, sex rings in Hollywood. So I might do a whole segment on that. That's real fascinating. But I love Hollywood gossip, and the dirtier, the darker, the better for me. So I'm on this website a while back, and I came across this little piece of conspiracy info. So allegedly, we're starting off like this. Now we're driving through the dark, spooky forest. Allegedly, Jennifer Lynch, she's not alleged. She does exist. Jennifer Lynch is David Lynch's daughter. She's a director in her own right. She wrote The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which I read when I was 12. 
And then that was the book that I realized how girls masturbate. Again, it's totally not appropriate. I remember my older brother bought The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. My parents let us watch the show, but they didn't want us to. They knew it was like on the cusp. It was pretty rough. But my brother bought The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, and then he let me read it. Like, he read it, and he's like, dude, because he's a huge, he's a bigger, actually a bigger David Lynch fan than I am, which is kind of hard, but he gave me the book, and I read it, and I was like, oh, they use a bathtub. They don't. They don't always have to use a bathtub, but when I was 12, that's how Laura Palmer masturbates in the book, and I remember being like, <laughs> I remember being like, mm. so alert. thank you, David Lynch. Thank you, Jennifer Lynch. Here's the conspiracy theory, though, about that weird coming-of-age story, and I'm reading through these blind items. They're basically anonymous bits of gossip. I've talked about them before on this show, but I come across this blind item. This had to be like a year and a half ago. This might have even been longer. It might have been before I was doing the show. I came across this, and it basically said that Jennifer Lynch... This is alleged again. Don't, don't shoot me. Don't shoot me, Jennifer Lynch. Jennifer Lynch wants to shoot someone in the head, is what this rumor is, that this daughter of David Lynch, this director... Wants to shoot a man in the head on camera. She's obsessed with it. She's been thinking about it for years and years and years. <laughs> she was in the bathtub. <laughs> She's writing that book in the bathtub. She's like, oh, you know what I'd really like? You know, it'd really work much better than a bathtub. She wants to shoot someone in the head on camera. She basically wants to film someone being killed on camera. But it has to be the fetish, apparently is he has to be shot in the head. It wouldn't, like, if he fell into a meat grinder, she's, like, looking down. She's like, that's cool, but <laughs> it'd be so much better if he got shot in the head. A bunch of birds attack him. She's like, hmm, it's not good enough. He has to be shot on the head. He has to be shot on camera. And it has to be, like, she doesn't want to watch video footage or, like, war footage of, like, some Kosovo soldier. She wants to see it. She wants to film it. Again, <laughs> alleged, alleged. And so this rumor goes around that she had actually been talking to people. She'd been planning to shoot a movie that had a scene where a guy gets shot in the head, but they would tell the actor it was totally fake and the gun was safe, but a bullet would accidentally be loaded into the gun. So during the shooting of the movie, she would actually be behind the camera and go, and shoot him. I mean, and action. And then, like, the top of his skull would go flying off. And he'd die, and she'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, what happened? Did someone put the wrong bullet in there? And they're like, you're the one who loaded the gun. You bought it from Walmart. You brought it to work today. She's like, ah, who else had the gun? They're like, nobody. That's this idea. This rumor is going around, right? This rumor that one person said, and now one of the biggest paranormal podcasts, one of the fastest growing paranormal podcasts in the world is now repeating this rumor that I read two years ago. So... What's interesting is I saw that, and I immediately was intrigued. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. I'm like, David Lynch, I'm a fan of your work, and your daughter wants to murder someone. He's like, what? He also, how's your your bathtub at home? He's like, what? That's even a weirder question. Well, going to his house and taking baths. I read read that, and I was like, dude, that's super weird. Um, It could be true. I don't know. I heard that Cardi B just broke up with The weekend. I don't know. It's a wacky, wacky world. But I read it, I had a little, put a little uh, wrinkle in my brain, I thought it was interesting. Huge David Lynch fan, love all of his stuff, even his serial killer daughter. And then I watched the new Twin Peaks. So it definitely was, it was pre-me um, watching the new Twin Peaks. So it, I would have had to read this back in like 2016 
2017 maybe, because I watched it in 2018, but I watch, I go to my brother, I visit him, he had the new Twin Peaks, and I was like, how is it? And he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> he goes, I watched the first, he stopped watching after about 16 episodes, he goes, I couldn't figure it out. And but we he watched it all again with me. It turned my hair gray the night I watched it. Uh, my mom dropped me off at my brother's house a couple of years ago, and I was vacationing. And he's like, "Hey, you want to watch the new Twin Peaks?" We watched like the first five or six episodes, and then the next morning, my mom picks me up, and she's like, "Oh my god, why is your hair gray?" I go, "Because I watched six episodes of the new Twin Peaks." It's not a joke. My hair straight up Leland Palmer turned gray. Ish. It's still dark. Anyways, we're watching the new Twin Peaks show, and the whole show. It basically should be called Twin Peaks. Everyone's head explodes. Almost every single person in that show who dies, dies from either getting shot in the brain or a hobo squeezing their head until it pops open. That's There's a few outliers. There's the guy whose head is attached to a woman's body. And then a couple people uh, throw up creamed corn until they die. Creamed corn and motor oil <laughs> until they die. But for the most part... Their heads explode in some fashion. I remember watching it, and after the fourth person got shot in the brain, in a super graphic way, I actually was like, hey, hey, bro, can you pause it for a second? I go, let me tell you this conspiracy theory I heard a couple years ago. My brother pauses it, and I was like, so apparently Jennifer Lynch likes heads exploding. So who knows if that conspiracy theory is true? Probably not. But if it is true, I may have actually stopped Jennifer Lynch from murdering somebody on on camera. So you're welcome. You're welcome because you shouldn't do that. So there you go. Your conspiracy theory. I'm actually, because this episode is running so long, we're going to save the David Lynch alien story for another time. Because honestly, out of all the segments, I think it was the weakest. I think it's an interesting thing, but I want to keep Prophecy watching here. I definitely wanted that Jennifer Lynch story in there. Because she might be planning it today. She's like, happy birthday, Dad! I'm going to shoot someone in the head today. He's like, please don't. And also, you're very clean. You do take a lot of baths. She's like, thank you. We're going to save the David Lynch alien story. It's, it's It was just a very surreal alien encounter. We'll save that for another time, because I really want to spend some time on this last story. Even though I said the show's going to go long, you don't want it to go too long. You don't want to outlast your welcome. So as we're standing in the middle of nowhere, I don't know why we're here. It's just the forest is spooky, and I imagine behind any tree, Jennifer Lynch could be waiting with a gun. You hear the sound of roaring bathwater, and you know she... It, it, I guess I should clarify, too. It's not that she just masturbated in the bath. Okay, first... <laughs> I don't know where Jennifer Lynch masturbates, but people are probably like, dude, who cares if she's... In no, this is what I found out. It's not like I didn't know girls weren't mermaids and they couldn't masturbate anywhere. Apparently, girls would uh, straddle the faucet of the bathtub so the water would hit them, like hit their clitoris, and be like, uh... <laughs> Apparently, they become a vibrating recliner when they're having sex. No, so that I was like, really? You could do that? Like, I knew I couldn't do that. I know the mechanism wouldn't work the same, but in The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, i.e. The Secret Diary of Jennifer Lynch, Laura Palmer masturbates using the water pressure from the faucet. And so, yeah, there you go. You, you learned something today. Maybe you didn't know that. I didn't know that when I was 12. So it's not that it was just in a bath. It's the running water. I just felt like I needed to clarify that. So... Golden Goose is shaking her head. Honey's going everywhere. The beekeeper husband's like, hmm, can't wait to be home. I'll watch you take a bath, honey. 
I'll watch you take a bath in honey, honey. <laughs> Golden Goo, I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're going to build a little co-pilot thing here so your beekeeper husband can help fly it as well. You guys are working as a team, and that's awesome. We are leaving behind the spooky, spooky forest before Jennifer Lynch can get a hold of us, before she can get her aim ready. She has a little laser scope on. We are headed out to Springville, Utah. <laughs> now, this just happened. This absolutely just happened December 23rd, 2020. And it's one of those stories that I read and I go, well, this is going on a show. <laughs> this is so disturbing. I'm talking about this. Golden Goo and the beekeeper land the carpenter copter in this little suburban neighborhood. Very Lynchian. Looks normal on the outside, but things just aren't right. Mike Lopez, he's a 23-year-old man. He's living with his mom. He's actually living with his mom and his two sisters. His mother, Victoria Ramirez, is 43 years old. And his two sisters are Rosie, she's 14, and Donna, who's 17. Those names are made up. We don't have the names of the girl. But Rosie is the youngest, and Donna is the oldest daughter, the middle child. And then Mike is the older brother. Rosie and Donna and Victoria are sitting around the dining room table, just eating. Mm. Eating food. You know what it sounds like. I don't need to do a sound effect for that. And Mike walks into the room. Mike is carrying a brand new shotgun. He had just purchased that week. If you were walking into a house and you were used to seeing shotguns, your uncle's always walking around with his shotgun. <laughs> He's like, you know, they're going to start broadcasting that military tribunal. Can't wait. You wouldn't think anything of it. Like, if, if your relatives are all constantly walking around with shotguns, you'd be like, oh, they're going out hunting or something like that. Hopefully that's all they're doing, right? But this was brand new. This was new in the house. It shouldn't have been there. So immediately alarm bells go off. Why does this guy have this shotgun? Now, we in that situation would like run or try to fight him for it or pull out our own gun, Han Solo him. But the way this family reacts to this is just the beginning of this absolutely bizarre story. Mike looks at Rosie, the youngest daughter, and she nods to him he nods back and rosie calmly gets up out of her seat at the dining room table and locks herself in the nearby bathroom now donna and victoria are sitting at this table and here stands mike with this gun the whatever's going on seemed to be pre-planned between the two of them donna gets up and follows rosie to the bathroom and she's standing outside the door when Mike turns to his mother and aims the shotgun at her. Victoria looks her son right in the eyes and says, quote, I know you're going to kill me, and I love you. Mike pulls the trigger once, and the shotgun tears through his mother's neck, killing her almost instantly. At that point, Rosie unlocks the bathroom door and walks past her sister Donna. Mike is just standing there over the body of their now-deceased mother. A very, very quick, painless death. Rosie walks over and begins to pet her mother's hair. She's just leaning over, running her fingers through her mother's bloody hair. Mike grabs his sister and lifts her up, wraps his arms around her, and they slowly begin dancing next to the corpse of their mother as a song plays on the radio. 
Donna has no idea what's going on. She crawls out the bathroom window, escapes into the neighborhood, notifies the police. That is a 100% true story. That actually happened on December 23rd of 2020. We have a witness of that event. But the big question isn't, did it happen? Because we have to ask that on this show sometimes. Is it made up? Was it, you know, some alien abduction or something like that? No, it, it did happen. The question we have in this, the question everyone has in this, is why did it happen? And this is where it becomes less of a, well, it never becomes less of a true crime story, but the focus moves away from the true crime to something else. The police sweep in and they arrest him, they arrest Mike, and they take Rosie into custody. She technically hasn't committed a crime yet. They don't know. They got to figure it out. But based on what Donna was saying, whatever it was, it seemed pre-planned. So the police drag Mike into the interrogation room. Of course, they're going to ask, why'd you do it? Mike looks at him. Somebody told me to do it. Cops are like, this is like, I don't know, some drug deal gone wrong? Was this something you had to do to pay someone back to chill money to someone? Somebody told me to do it. Well, who are you? Who's this someone who told you to do it? Do you have a name? Like, what's this? Somebody told me to do it. Is his response. He leans over to the table and he tells the officers, this whole thing, everything, the the shooting and this, it's deja vu. I've done all of this before. This, This isn't new. They're not really getting anywhere with him. They They talk to Donna and they go, hey, so listen. Your brother's, your brother's super creepy. We haven't talked to the little sister yet, but can you fill us in? Like, he's saying that somebody told him to do this. You guys owe money to some drug organization or something like that. Donna goes, listen, he he's a big stoner. He, he we, there, there are drugs involved in this. He's a huge stoner, but I don't think it has anything to do with any sort of drug crime. He was just stoned all the time. And when they did arrest him, he did have THC in his system. But there's a lot of people who are stoners that don't go around shooting people and then dancing next to the body. Donna goes, not only was he a huge pot smoker, but he also would give weed and smoke with his 14-year-old sister, Rosie. And I truly believe that whatever happened, whatever this was, is that Rosie knew it was going to happen. She said, Mike's been getting weirder than normal lately, though. Like, he's a big pothead. But recently, he's been talking about how much meditating he's been doing. He'll just meditate all the time. And he began telling her, he began telling Donna, Donna, it's not just about the smoke and the weed. It's not just about meditating. I can, I can travel through dimensions now. I can move through reality, you see. That's why I'm meditating. And I'm not necessarily just getting high and finding peace. I'm moving from reality to reality. He also began talking to Donna about quote-unquote bad people. That he'd been meeting and talking to bad people. So the police at this point are going, okay, now, some of the spooky stuff, right? None of the spooky stuff, we gotta stop interrogating people at 3am. This makes sense. He's into weed, he's talking about meeting bad people, saying somebody told him to do it. Now we're back into the land of reality. Maybe this was a drug deal gone wrong. Maybe she was more involved. So the cops are now feel like they're a little bit more back on track. Let's go talk to Rosie and see what she knows. So they bring in Rosie. 
And the police, again, at this point, don't know if she's an accessory before the fact, if she's just in thrall of her older brother. They don't know. She could have been the mastermind. They don't know. Someone told him to do it. Maybe it was Rosie. They're talking to Rosie. And, again, they shouldn't hold these interrogations at 3 a.m. Because this is where they truly get spooky. Rosie says, yes, me and my brother have been smoking a lot of weed lately. That's true. But you gotta understand, we're in danger. We're just not safe. Cops are looking at each other. What are you you not safe from? We never slept at the same time. See, I would sleep, and Mike would sit there and watch me sleep. And then when it was time for him to sleep, I would stay up and watch him sleep. Because if we both slept at the same time, something bad would happen to us. Cops are like, what in the world is going on? What are these people so afraid of? They ask, Rosie, so your sister said that after your mother got shot, you started dancing. You started dancing with your brother over the body. Like, what, what was going through your head when that happened? And in true horror movie fashion, Rosie just looks at the officers, smiles. Then she began slowly singing the song that her and her brother danced to. That was her only response to it. Like some sort of lullaby from the ring. The police officers are like, can we turn on like all the lights in the station right now? That was her answer. She just smiled and then was like, Shake it off. Shake it off. Play is going to hate, hate, hate. I don't know what song it was, but any song sang super slow by a accomplice to a murder is going to be a rough listen. She showed no emotion at all during the interview, and it doesn't sound like Mike was a font of feelings either. But this is where we get to all of this stuff kind of be wrapped up in a ball. And this is an ongoing story, so we'll see what else comes from this. But when the police ask, listen, your mom was shot, you're dancing over the body, you're being super creepy by singing the song, please stop. What, what, was the, what was the meaning of this? What was all the cause of this? Why would Mike kill your mom? And that's when Rosie says, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to creep you guys out. That wasn't our mom. Police officers are like, it was your... No, 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 no. It, no, you see, that's not my mom. That wasn't our mom. That was somebody else, but that wasn't our mom. So we didn't kill our mother. Mike didn't kill his mother. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to implicate myself. I had nothing to do with it. I just knew it was going to happen, but that, that's not our mom. So we didn't kill our mother. Our mother's alive. This was someone else. Not our mom. This crime happened back on December 23rd, but the details are really just coming out now. These interviews and all of these things. And at this point, there's still no motive as to why they did this. But I think as fans of the paranormal and we're looking at this show, I think we can kind of figure them out. I feel like I should be a police officer in Utah just for this one case and then I'll retire and get a pension. This is my theory. I think that Rosie and Mike actually convinced themselves that they were not in their home dimension. This dimension they're in now, our dimension, is not where they're originally from. This is what they believe. This is what I think they believe. And so by shooting the mother in this dimension, they technically didn't kill their mother. They killed an alternate world version of their mother. 
So as far as they're concerned, it's definitely Rosie, that their mother is still alive. This was somebody else. So I think that is part of her reaction to it. But everything else is so weird. Who are the bad people? Are these people uh, demonic? Are they some sort of interdimensional beings as well? Who told him to do it? Is that some sort of... I mean, I think it's mostly delusions. I don't think they actually owed money to anyone and it was like, kill your mom. She didn't seem to be into anything like that. And Donna didn't offer any information on that. So I think the rational, true crime explanation, it doesn't fit. But they may have actually thought they were moving through dimensions and they were meeting these dimensional entities that may have convinced them that maybe this was the way to get back home. Maybe they had traveled too far. Maybe she was a dark entity herself and they need to cleanse her. I think the creepiest part of the whole thing, and there's a lot to contend with on this, is the mother's reaction to seeing her son with that shotgun. I know you're going to kill me and I love you. And that's an interesting reaction because see, Donna never said he was threatening. She goes, he was getting weirder leading up to this event, but she was never like, he was chasing us around with knives or he was talking about killing mom. She never made any statements like that, but the mother knew it when he, because he just got the shotgun a couple days earlier. The mother knew when he had that shotgun, she looks at him and says, I know you're going to kill me and I love you. Horrible, horrible. And truly a Lynchian story. The family that seemed normal, a little bit of drug use, but other than that, no one saw any warning signs. Even people in the house just go, ah, he's getting kind of weird. But then you have this seedy, dark underbelly. And underneath that, you may have something even more demented and demonic influencing the events. Now listen, I love the idea of dimension hopping. I love the idea of alternate realities, portals, and stuff like that. I believe in those things that are possible. But I think they're unlikely to happen. I don't think if you smoke a bunch of weed and meditate, you're able to move through realities. But Mike most likely convinced his little sister about that, definitely convinced himself of that, figured they needed to kill her. I think the tragedy of this, other than this loss of life, this destruction of this family, Rosie may end up facing charges at a certain point, but at some point, reality is going to hit them. At some point, the drugs are going to wear off. The psychosis will be stabilized. They'll be sitting in a cold cell somewhere in the system. And Mike and Rosie will realize they are in their home dimension and that they really did kill their own mother. But I think a darker ending, honestly, would be this. That Mike was right. He is from an alternate universe. And he found himself in our universe. But now he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Not only separated from society, because he's locked behind bars, but separated from his home reality. A reality where his mother still lives. And always wonders where her son disappeared to. He was in his room one night, and then he went missing without a trace. She would never think to pick up a joint and meditate and travel through the dimensions to find her son. But if she did, she may find herself in our reality, standing over her own grave. And if she stands over her own grave on a cold Utah morning, she realizes she may have found her son. 
but she has lost herself in the madness of the multiverse. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.